welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to and showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Brandon Bozart. Brandon is a facilitator of transformation and miracles. Among his groundbreaking offers and courses are the Presence Project and the newly completed coaching program, The 13 guiding leaders and seekers into deeper levels of self-realization. So with these words, welcome, Brennan. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for our exploration today. Um, I want to start with, with asking you a little bit about your story and how you, you ended up guiding and leading and coaching people and, you know, like literally helping them with this process of self-realization, because I know there's a good story in there. Um, so yeah. where did this all begin? Yeah, so about... Man, uh, maybe five years ago now, I was living in Philadelphia. I was working in network marketing at the time. And um, I was at a point where maybe 90% of what I was doing in the network marketing industry was fulfilling, but I couldn't ignore that 10% that was not. And I reached a point where I kind of looked at my life from a bird's eye perspective. And I was doing steroids at the time. I was partying Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Um, a lot of these, that, that 10% I was talking about was manifesting in all of these out of alignment, out of integrity kind of experiences. And I just took a moment and there wasn't one event that catalyzed the shift. There was just a, one moment where I stopped and looked and I got, said, this is not who I want to be. This is not who I am. And if I don't change, then, you know, I'm not going to want to live like this. And so I just took a moment and I said, I need to say no to everything that is truly not me. And I said no to continuing in the business that I was in, the steroids, the partying, um, everything that just wasn't in my highest excitement and alignment, I said no to. And it was a couple days later, I just asked myself and really my own imagination, what's the most exciting thing you can imagine yourself doing? You know, what would you just do to do just because it's fun, just because it's exciting and not just kind of exciting. What's the hundred percent thing? And I started to get some ideas of like some future, uh, you know, events, bringing leaders together, all this stuff. But there was nothing um, that big that I could actually act on in the now. And I think that's where a lot of people get discouraged. I want to be a speaker. And then they look at what's right in front of them now. And if there's no action in that direction, often there is. But let's say they've even taken as much action as they can. They go, well, now what? Where is this going to go? I'll just give up. I'll do something else. Meanwhile, there's these other forms, physical forms of excitement that represent the same energy that that goal in the future represents. That's actually intimately connected to that goal, the path of least resistance, all of those things. And so I started saying, okay, well, what's most exciting for me right now that I can start to act on? And really all I got was write in a journal, which ended up being a book that I didn't publish. And that ended up becoming content actually for years, right? So write in a journal, do Facebook lives and start a newsletter. And in that equation, and I'm, I'm looking in my imagination, what else can I do right now that's really exciting? Mm -hmm. There wasn't much else. Eat, go to the gym, do those things. That was my day. And there's no money making in that equation. 
you know, I had bills. I have a, I have a, I had a Mercedes at the time that I still have. And so I'm going, how am I going to make money? And I remember just reading over and over Deepak Chopra's The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, which back then was like my Bible. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about surrender, path of least resistance, law of attraction, all of these kind of concepts. And it was a moment where I said, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about these things and I'm going to embody them. I'm going to, I'm going to act as if I know these, these things. And I'm really going to look at my own belief system and what I'm believing about myself and my ability to be supported by life. And so moving through all of these challenges, it was only maybe a month later that I put out a newsletter one day that um, ended up landing in the inbox of a woman moments before she was going to kill herself. And she was in a car in Australia and looking at the ocean and she was contemplating taking sleeping pills, a handful of sleeping pills, and then going into the ocean and just falling asleep. And she's, me she's a medium and highly intuitive. And so her guides were telling her, before you take the pills, before you take the pills, just turn on the radio. And she, ah, turn on the radio, turns the radio on. And the station plays a song. And the first words of that song said, word for word, you should stay a little bit longer. Wow. And she stopped and she got chills and she started crying because to her, the path of least resistance, at least the what path that she thought was the path of least resistance was just take the pills, go in the ocean. And now she's going, oh man, maybe I have to face all of this and stay. And in that next moment, when she chose to stay, she got my email that was entitled, I'm excited to die, which was a catchy way of me saying, yes, when we die, we'll leave behind all the guilt, shame, doubt, fear, but we don't have to die to experience what the other side can be like now. Hmm. And so here's some things you can do to feel better. And she ended up reaching out to me and say, saying, hey, I want you to coach me. I had no idea that she just had the experience that she had. And I said, coach you for what? I don't, what's a coach? You know, I, I understood Tony Robbins and these life coach figures, but I didn't consider myself an authority in that um, realm at all. Because again, I was just following my excitement with zero expectations, not knowing where it's going to go, going, show me, show me, show me, show me. And so we end up getting on a call and like the Buddha taught the beginner's mind, which is really living without expectation. Um, I just showed up having no idea how a coaching call should go, what we should do, anything like that. And it just really allowed me to be very natural and the natural state is the channeling state. And so getting into that channeling open state where what she needed was able to come through me and vice versa. And we just had a very powerful, beautiful transformational experience. And she goes, I want to hire you for my coach. How much do you charge? And I made up a number and she became my first client, paid all my bills that month. You know, um, four months later, she's had this radical life transformation of healing relationships with her uh, family members, her dad specifically. She lost 40 pounds, got a new job, started dating again, whole different kind of life. And she started teaching me because what we do, I help her with her physical life. And then when her physical life was grounded, her spiritual gifts would all come on. And then she'd be teaching me and sharing me sharing with me. Yeah, these are your guides is what they're saying. And, and then I'd practice, okay, this is what I feel this guide is. Can you confirm? And we would have this mutual kind of evolution. And four months later, I just realized this is how I'm meant to support people, at least one way that I'm meant to support people. 
and um, really the rest is history. Mm. This is a fascinating story. I mean, it's beautiful to really feel in your words there and in that story how, you know, you're like, there was a person that you, you saved in that sense, like, you know, like, like reconnected to her own meaning and purpose in life. But then I want to really acknowledge you for this, like, blind trust into the path of least resistance and excitement, because I know this is something that, that's going around a lot in, in, you know, through social media and, and people, you know, listening to a motivational kind of um, kind content that, that's like, just trust, just surrender. But to actually do it takes, takes a lot more, right? And it also takes uh, letting go of all the pathways that the mind might think it is and really mm -hmm. picking up with, with this like simple excitement of like Facebook lives, a journal and um, yeah, a newsletter, which mm -hmm. is a very simple formula. And so it's a great story kind of from adversity all the way into freedom. And it ultimately led, led you now to, to host projects like uh, the Presence Project and, and the 13 with like dozens and dozens, hundreds of people that are like kind of flocking and gravitating towards this, this path of self-realization. Do you want to share a bit more about those programs or like what's like really exciting for you in this today? Because I figure that this living in this path of least resistance and excitement probably just got clearer and more yeah. and clearer and more for you. Yeah, yeah, really good. So <clears throat> the first thing to understand is that we're not teaching anybody to become more than they are. We're teaching them to remember that they already are that which they want to become. So people will go, I really want to become more confident. And it's very easy in that moment to reflect back to that person. Well, you're very confident that you're not confident. That's, that's confidence. You're actually using your 100% energy to create worlds, but you're just creating it in a way that you don't prefer to create. So you actually don't need to learn anything more. You need to learn why you're choosing to create things that are not exciting, joyful for you. And so there's nothing missing, but you may have taken on unconscious beliefs and, and patterns that keep you from creating in the most natural way, which when we just let go of everything that's not who we are, that is not natural to us, then we just effortlessly create. We effortlessly act on our joy. And it's what you would witness in a child who wakes up and just starts creating. They just run right over to the Legos. They don't ask. They just create, create, create. And someone comes by, they, they give gifts. You know what I mean? You just watch that and you go, oh, this being isn't thinking about tomorrow, isn't thinking about if they're going to get paid or if they're going to eat later. They're so here right now in their excitement. How do we get back to that? And it's, and the, the fact that we were that or even going beyond time and space, there is a version of us that exists here and now that is that childlike state. We're in a sense learning to embody that as an adult, which isn't a becoming process, it's a, it's a letting go process, right? So a lot of these programs or personal development, they talk about, you know, becoming great or, you know, the pursuit of happiness. And it's putting everything off in the future as if we have to pursue happiness, but pursuing just creates more pursuing. Wanting to be great just creates more wanting, right? None of those things lead to salvation, which is really the knowing of who and what we are. And so where does salvation come, come from? 
just to use this terminology that I'm in, it comes from the from atoning. And what does atoning actually mean? To bring awareness to where I'm unaware and where I'm, I'm using my unaware beliefs and choices to express myself in a way that is not in alignment with who I know myself to be. So what is to atone? I'm bringing awareness to unawareness. That's really it. Beautifully put, man. That was very clear. Uh, very clear in my ears and in my heart space. It brings me to the bigger picture of our collective state on the planet. And it, it kind of gets me to the place where I'm like, okay, so in this process of atonement, um, a lot of the superfluous parts of our capitalist society that, that now we actually, you know, even though they might've created a form of wealth or a form of uh, convenience or a form of comfort, we now realize they come with this massive cost of social inequality mm -hmm. of, you know, um, obviously like environmental pollution and so forth. Like that's not a form of atoning. That's a form of filling a need that isn't actually real. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we don't need to solve all of this right now in this call, but I'm really curious about your opinion here. Like how do you, how do you foresee um, on a collective level that this, this massive transformation can happen in our society? Because obviously there, there are so many voices in people's lives, right? Like you listening right now, there's, there's not just Brandon and Julian's voice discussing this, but there's also maybe another TV channel you're going to watch later and a Netflix show. And then like what's happening on your social media stream and the conditioning from your childhood. And so how do you, see that we can unravel as a society and let go of polluting our planet, our minds and each other and, and, yeah. and kind of atone to a pathway, maybe like through the middle, you know? Yeah, the middle. That's perfect. So great question. So it all comes back down to the first illusion, you could say. That's what I call it, the first illusion, which is the illusion of need and which implies lack. And it's the first, it's the first kind of split off from, I have everything I need in this moment. I am totally and completely supported. And so in this moment, I don't feel separate from life because the moment we don't feel supported, whether we know it or not, we blame God. We might say, oh, it's the government. But if we believe in some sort of creator that, or some sort of God or some, something that is animating all of it, well, then if we're pointing at the government, the government is part of what? This creation that is God, that is all that is. And so if we believe that God can create something that is lacking, that is missing, or something has no purpose or is invalid, then we'll create separation, we'll create lack. We'll go, that's wrong, that shouldn't be here, or I need more than I already have, right? And so that first illusion of, I don't have all of my, I don't feel like my needs are met. And I promise you, if you're listening to this call, your needs are met. Even the people, and this can be controversial, that's great. Even the people that may be homeless on the street, if they're alive, their needs are actually met enough to where they can eventually find appreciation. And I guarantee you this, the energy of, appreciate, of appreciation and homelessness will, won't match up for too long. That energy of appreciation will lead to, if you want to get into the science of it, it'll lead to a more positive biochemistry. It'll lead to a more creativity, literally less survival, more creativity, which leads to more positive thoughts and emotion, which leads to more positive action. And they can create and find their way out of that situation. So everyone has that ability to create a reality in the way they prefer from any aspect of society. 
that's that's just how creation is it is a unconditional loving you can create anything you want and that's actually what love is is the ability to create in the image of god to create in any way that we want and we're allowed to do that we're allowed to have that free will to create and so to get back to your question the illusion that i need more than i have right now in order to be happy in order to be fulfilled because people that might start businesses because their primary motivation is to make money is coming from a place of i don't think i have enough right now so i think i need more so my success my salvation my god is this idol called money called achievement called status and because that's in the future it will always remain in the future and so that will keep being pursued because of a fundamental underlying sense of something is lacking right here and right now as i am so that first illusion of i need more than i already have to be fulfilled because even if people think they want money they want the feeling of what that money is going to get them which always comes back to feeling loved to feeling fulfilled to feeling like right now is all that i that i need to accept myself and to know that i'm powerful enough to create a life in a way that i prefer to without having to hurt or harm anyone else and that comes secondary to the acknowledgement that we are supported we always have been supported as creators and we take full responsibility for our lives so once the illusion of need in the negative sense we all need some basic needs to survive as physical beings but once that illusion of need that i need more than i already have once that's there then there's lack there's a possibility of not getting your needs met and then that creates competition oh if i can get he can get his needs met but i can't i need to compete for it that creates the illusion of failure oh now he got it and i didn't oh i must be a failure that reinforces more separation and lack of self-worth and you just continue to spiral in that game of getting 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 versus acknowledging what i'm having 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 already and then from that whole and complete place you'll go well since i already have what i need and i'm supported i'm just gonna act on my joy i'm gonna act on my excitement and because excitement is a self-organizing self-perpetuating energy that as a guiding principle will actually unite all of humanity and everyone will contribute exactly what they're designed to contribute that benefits the whole and themselves perfectly and that's what's called living in pure synchronism and where everyone starts living off of synchronicity being at the right place at the right time to get exactly what they need to continue to perpetuate that energy of joy and excitement um, but it's going to take a lot of us on the individual level looking at our own belief systems and on, as a collective society um, and as we continue to let go of the illusions, it will just start happening naturally. Wow. I love what you just, where you just went with this. There's a few pins I made in terms of like follow-up questions. Um, synchronism is a really interesting word. And you know, this is one of those where even if you don't fully believe in it, like if your you know, belief system right now is like, well, I'm not sure what Brian said is true it might still apply because you're still in the situation that serves you right now where you are at, right? No matter, no matter where that is. And even though, you know, you brought up the example of homelessness, which in itself is kind of an absurd concept with how many uh, places of housing there are in the world, yeah. right? But, yeah. but even, even if you have very little, if, if you're existing and you're having just enough for this moment, that is always actually true. And we know through 
a lot of the, the quantum science research and uh, people like Joe Dispenza, et cetera, that gratitude and appreciation, actually, as you said, there's a neurological feedback loop that actually creates uh, this pathway that you laid out. So it's, it's very, very much in alignment. My first follow-up question comes to the process of trust. And let me make this personally, like I want to understand from you, Brandon, like what is required for you to experience trust? Yeah. So the first question that I would or rephrase that I would would propose is that everyone is already trusting in something 100%. We're we're 100% beings. You know, even when was it Einstein or someone said we're only using 10% of our brain, the paradox is we might we're using 100% of our brain to make it seem as if we're only using 10. There is no actual lack as if because the, you know, there's two ways to look at it. 100% of my brain is being used to focus itself in on 10%. And that's still a whole system versus going, there's 10% being used, the rest is void and a waste of space. Those are just paradigm shifts. It's the same effect that we're talking about. But how are you seeing it determines how you're viewing reality. What is your life view? So no, we don't only use 10, 10 out of 100. We're using 100 right now focused in 10 because that's what works for us. That's what's relevant for our evolution with where we are now. We don't need to experience the rest right now, but we're not missing it. So same kind of thing. To imply that you could somehow lack trust is to mean that we're actually lacking something versus misplacing trust. And that's what a lot of people too, sometimes people put their trust in lack. They go, I trust 100% that I'm lacking something. I trust 100% if I surrender and just act on my joy, something negative is going to happen. And because they're putting that trust into it, they're creating that reality. So trust and belief, you could say, are really the same thing. And those are fundaments on how we actually create reality. So we couldn't even create reality if we didn't have 100% trust in something in some belief, in some definition of reality to then create that for ourselves in our holographic bubble. So the question would then be not how do I develop trust, but what are you trusting in that you don't prefer and why? And the answer is usually because it's unconscious, because it's a belief you picked up along the way and you were told that that's how life works, if it's unconscious, it's going to be because it's just not your belief. You've just picked that up. You've let that be absorbed into your consciousness when, when you were growing up. But if you're conscious of something that you're choosing, that you say doesn't serve you, and you're trusting, oh, well, it's going to be true if I jump off the cliff, that I'm, the money's not going to be there, that the, I'm going to be rejected, this and that. You're trusting that those are more probable than positive outcomes. And that's actually what creates fear. When I'm trusting in a situation that I don't prefer, and I believe it's more probable than one that I do, I create fear. So you have to ask the question, why do I think it's more probable for me to experience lack, for me to experience rejection? And that's when you have to start asking the question, well, if I think that's more probable for me, then what am I making that mean about myself? What do I actually believe about myself in order to think that no one's going to like me, that I'm going to be rejected, that I'm not going to be supported? And you'll start to uncover those deeper beliefs 
and all we really need to do is bring awareness to them and that's it they're done because as soon as you bring awareness to a negative belief that you're not aware of that's in the unconscious mind and you do it without judgment just pure innocence you look at that as ah this is a belief it's not mine it's valid there's nothing wrong or bad about me experiencing this you will see naturally that it doesn't make sense and that it ha doesn't have anything to do with you and you'll feel it and you'll let it go and what will replace it will be a new belief that you choose right yeah yeah this this is this is so beautiful and eloquently put that you know it triggers one of those kind of society answers in me and this is like you know are you familiar with maslow's pyramid of higher like of needs and then and so what you're saying and i'm just going to play devil's advocate here um just just to maybe dig a little deeper and unpack yeah. like i'm totally with you and at the same time it seems to me that for a lot of people in this global and globalized society there's hardly ever the time uh in their current way of operating to lift the head up and out of it and kind of peek above the you know the the horizon and, and realize oh wow i could I could just change this because they're in this like perpetual loop and mill of like needing to get money to feed their children or family, which, right. you know, and so it brings me to my, you can answer this directly if you want to, but it also kind of couples well with another question I was uh, wanting to ask, which is about the education system at large and how do we maybe empower people right from the nice. get go in a way, way different way. So, so like answer it however you want. You can, you can also go straight into like, how would you Brandon, uh, revolutionize, evolutionize yeah. the education system? Yeah, that's really good. Really good questions. The first part is um, for those people that don't believe they have enough time to stop, reflect, analyze their belief system, because they, if, if it's not a widespread understanding that blueprint or that, that beliefs are the blueprints of physical reality, which you can just observe someone's behavior and see that this is how things work. What I believe determines how I feel. It's even been proven in the neuroscience that what I believe creates the emotion and then after that comes the thought. The emotions actually first, the emotion, the thought, then the action. Then you look at the people that are choosing to act in a certain way to be busy. I always say busy work is lazy work because when we're always so, so busy, usually we're distracting ourselves, or we're taking on more than we need to because we're not looking at the root of that behavior that says i need to get 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 do 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 to feel good so if they don't have that self-awareness where they can go you know what i'm not feeling good by being so busy i'm kind of feeling disconnected i'm kind of always feeling rushed if they don't have the self-awareness to understand that they're creating that and that the solution is not in changing their environment or changing anything outside of them. It's about asking honestly, and that's the one ingredient that makes this work. The only ingredient that you need is self-honesty. If you're not honest, you can ask all the questions and you just lie to yourself and you remain in denial. And really denial is probably the most challenging aspect of the human psyche. The, there's no other animal that can deny, uh, but we can deny that we're feeling afraid which then compartmentalizes the fear. And then we just go live like it's not there, which just delays the transformation. So if those that are in denial, because remember when someone's in denial, they're in denial about being in denial. So they don't walk away going, I'm in denial. They go, no, of course not. You know. So 
if you're if someone's in denial and is lacking the awareness and the tools to be able to pause and have a self-inquiry experience where they can go into their belief system, process the emotion, and let them go, then they're going to continue to create reflections of busyness, stuckness, lack, challenge in their life. And that's the feedback mechanism trying to get their attention going, well, then you might need to create some sort of drama or trauma to wake you up and go, what the heck am I believing about life? I need to stop and pull. Sometimes they'll force themselves to stop if they don't believe they can just stop. That's called disease. That's called many of our diseases on the planet. Our totally. the origin is stress. Mm -hmm. So they go, if I don't believe I could just stop working and let go of all the busyness, then I'm going to give myself no choice because I think I have no choice. And how do I give myself no choice? I get sick. Right. And most of this is all going to be rooted in that first illusion of lack and need and how if there's something missing, which usually translates in the body as an emotion, as guilt, shame, these sort of ideas, something's wrong with me, something's missing. So that first piece, what you asked the, um, for the people that don't have the time, we need to know that they might not need to wake up right now. They might need to go through their own process to create enough pain, challenge, suffering, to finally have their own moment, like I had my own moment, of going, enough is enough, I need to start asking questions. And we don't wanna rob them of their process. That'd be like taking a caterpillar in the cocoon that for two or three days before it becomes a butterfly has to thrash against the cocoon to build its muscle. That'd be like us going, oh, it's suffocating, it's having a hard time, let me save it, boom, and then it falls to the ground and dies. So some people might need that experience of challenge, adversity, to finally stop and go, no more, I'm done. And the other side of that is if we're being examples in our action, in our behavior, that you can slow down, that you can be supported by your passion and excitement, that's all we, we as individuals need to do. And they can see us by our action and go, well, if they can, why not me? And the more and more people do that, the more they're going to be encouraged by what people do, not by what they say. So that's what we can do about those people. Let them be as they are, be examples. And then for the education system, there's a couple things. If I can remember these three principles, I'll, I'll bring them through. But number one is building an education system around the children's highest excitement. So individual, what is your curiosity and highest excitement? And then chosen curriculum self-chosen curriculum where then you build the curriculum around that person's excitement that's based on what they need and then it's up to the practitioner so this is number two number one build it around the student's excitement don't try to build the student around the curriculum build the curriculum around the student number two have a teacher that is excited to be there that loves teaching that it's their absolute passion if they're not demonstrated, demonstrating that you can be supported by your passion, then you're going to get these teachers that don't want to be there and that aren't going to actually learn. The kids aren't going to learn because they pay attention to what you do. So you actually need so passionate yeah. teachers that can creatively design games, experiences, very hands-on experiential. We just know from the research, it's the best way to learn. Experiences, fully immersed experiences 
that tie into the excitement of the children and that creatively link if they need math, then they go, oh, if you want to continue to learn about bugs, then you're gonna need to learn how to categorize them. You need to count, be able to count their legs because eight legs is a spider, 12 legs is this. Don't you wanna know how to, what the different ones are? Oh yeah, now I'm excited to learn math. So you gotta find creative ways to include what they might need to continue down that path of excitement. Um, and then number three is just unconditional love. They need to not be um, scored on like a good, bad, right or wrong, except pass failure type of thing. Um, and, and really they just need to be unconditionally loved. There's no wrong way, there's only learning. Um, and even just those three things, if we just did those three things, we'd live in a totally different society. Yeah, I mean, this, this goes, you know, especially the third point, you know, goes like almost for every, uh, not just human, but every being on the planet is to like accept what is and, and love unconditionally is, you know, it's like a higher dimensional kind of ability than to hang out in this right, wrong, left, right, mm -hmm. I guess, no kind of paradigm of, of the mind, right? Yeah. Beautifully put. I have, I have one more question for you and I'm, I'm happy to have you share anything else that comes up for you with something you want to uh, call to action or, or something you, you'd, you'd like to share. And so first on my question, uh, you know, I might've shared this with you before my listeners know this, this is the question that kind of started the podcast in my, in my mind and in my heart space and it has to do with earth vision and specifically like your kind of vision for our shared planet in a seven generational context, in a context that just for a few moments here allows us to zoom out and allows us to, to say seven generations is roughly 210 years, right? Like, what do we actually want this planet, this society, this, this form of life to turn into? Mm, nice. And you're speaking seven generations ahead of time, what that's going to be. Yeah, and what, what it's going to be, but more, more from like your own visionary kind of hard mind space rather than yeah. I mean, you go wherever you want to. There is definitely no right answer to this question, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Into yeah. The future. got it. Yeah. I believe that, especially those of you that are attracted to this work on the podcast right now, I believe that we will create and attract a world, number one, where there are very little borders. There's very little, uh, um, there's almost no concept or actually no concept of separation. We understand that we are one unified being that is an extension of earth, not separate from nature, not separate from earth. And we have created a more telepathic society where our individualism is prized and, and celebrated but the unity is created by our diversity. And so what makes us different is actually the variable that we all share that unifies us, which is that everyone fills a unique role, everyone is needed, everyone has value, and people are living in their highest excitement and passion, giving that value, letting synchronicity, the organizing principle of reality, guide, and you know, in other cultures they call it the Holy Spirit, whatever you wanna call it, guide, and um, support all beings to live in their passion and excitement. I see the earth be, be um, returning to its 
more natural state. I see more natural structures being built. I see a deconstruction of a lot of the concrete, a lot of the stuff that won't serve us in, in the future. Um, I see an interplanetary society where as we unify as a whole, we start attracting more unified wholes and we really expand eventually to the stars and our consciousness as it evolves beyond ourselves, and then even beyond the unified culture, it starts to expand outwards into other consciousness and, and unified wholes. And so I see all of that happening within the next 100 years. I love it. I want to live in that world. Yeah. We're, Pretty cool world. We're, we're celebrated for who we are and we're also collectively in, 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 in unison or in unity in that sense. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time, Brandon. Is there anything else you'd love to share at this point or, or point out or like, I'm going to definitely link out your, uh, your website and your socials for people to find you and to like dig in deeper into your work. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, we are putting together a uh, program called Foundations. It's seven parts and it's really about self mastery and preparing for open contact, which I believe we'll have by, by 2050. Um, it's really the my life's work in its most concise condensed form and um it's super affordable and there's a, we're a community that we're building so i'd say that is right now my highest excitement is to really it's called foundations for a new earth that is actually based on the earth we just talked about and it's about laying the foundations of consciousness and so um, you can reach out to me on my website or social media uh, for more details about that perfect thank you so much for today Cool. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. And that's that. Another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, 
Have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.